0: Hello, Brain Allies, you're listening to Brains Out Loud, where we talk about important topics surrounding mental health, from our personal life to our work life and everywhere in between. Our goal is that through these conversations, we can help others prioritize mental health on an equivalent level to physical health. Today, we are here with Lauren McMeekin, who is a psychotherapist, a mental health advocate, and the brilliance behind the Instagram account, Obsessive Mind. Mm-hmm. Lauren focuses on raising awareness about OCD, anxiety, and eating disorders. Lauren, we are so excited to have you here today. And to share some context with the audience, I myself live with pretty intense OCD and anxiety, so I am happy to be here and to learn from Lauren today and to discuss this topic. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for that lovely introduction as well, and I'm just thrilled to be here. and Always love an opportun- opportunity to talk to somebody else who, who struggles with OCD, and also to raise awareness. So um, we were talking just before we started recording about how, um, how much, how desperately we need to spread awareness around this, and how little understood it is, even within the realm of mental health professionals. So, yeah, Absolutely.
0: yeah, exactly. It is it is highly misunderstood, and as a result, highly stigmatized so i think that's definitely part of the problem can you tell our audience a little bit more about your background and why you started working in this space
1: absolutely so i had always been interested in in psychotherapy probably because i started attending psychotherapy at a young age and part of my story i as i shared with you i also have ocd and I wasn't diagnosed with OCD until I was 24, I wanna say. And so, anyway, all of that to say, in the interim between about the ages of seven and 24, I, I went through a lot of different therapies and attempts to support my mental health and well being. And it wasn't until I found CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, and exposure and ritual prevention, which is the gold standard of treatment for OCD myself, that I realized, oh, this is what I want to do. Because I thought, oh, therapy, it's something that fascinates me. It's something that I care deeply about. I've always been a people person. and. So it, but it wasn't until I I actually had the experience of walking through that kind of therapy and that really changed my life in so many respects that I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to share this with other people and hopefully help other people to live more full and meaningful lives, even, even with anxiety disorders or disorders of other varieties as well.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And an amazing, you know, personal element that you brought to it, living with OCD yourself and experiencing CBT and how that helps you excel and and cope is is really special and I think that it's really unique to have people that are working within the space who also understand it so highly from a personal experience. Um, I think in some aspect we all suffer from our own mental health issues and people have different variations of it, but to work in OCDs and specializing it and also have that history I'm sure brings a unique perspective to the table um, so I have a question for you yes please is OCD something that is genetic and we're born with or is it something that can develop over time
1: so it's a great question and it's also a nuanced well it's a question with a nuanced answer anyway I think there is certainly a genetic component there's plenty of research suggesting that first-degree relatives of people with OCD are more likely to have it and twin studies and all that good stuff but there's also an environmental component as with any form of mental illness and I really think so within the biopsychosocial model of of disorders that we talk about um, within the realm of therapy there is this analogy i I think it's called the i think it's part of the diathesis stress model i could be wrong but the idea is that essentially we're all like guns and we have a certain genetic predisposition and that that affects the trigger So we're either on a hairpin trigger, or it's going to take a sledgehammer to push that trigger to, you know, to get to fire. Um, But then we have environment, right? And environment can be just fine and and very easygoing and or it can be very, very challenging for some and whether that's the home that you grow up in or the societal factors in which you find yourself uh, mired. That this can either exacerbate or or uh, bring to fruition a natural predisposition that's already there that was probably going to be expressed anyway, okay. or on the other hand, it it can be something that is so impactful that it it sort of generates something that was unlikely to express itself is that interesting yeah
0: yeah that that absolutely answers my question can you in your own words or in medical terms whichever you prefer describe to the audience what ocd actually is because i think a lot of people have misconceptions about ocd and so i would love to clarify for our audience
1: yeah so OCD is a disorder that is diagnosed when people suffer with either obsessions or compulsions. Most people suffer from both with the disorder. And so in terms of what obsessions and compulsions are though, because I think that there's a fair amount of misunderstanding about those, obsessions are actually intrusive thoughts, images, urges, feelings that a person experiences. Uh, that are unwanted and unpleasant and that cause distress. And compulsions are behaviors that people do to try to eradicate the stress or the discomfort or that are basically rigid in in the the way that they must be applied in order to, to alleviate a discomfort. And so sometimes that looks like it can it can even look like discomfort in the sense of like an ickiness feeling right so we think of traditional compulsions like hand washing and sometimes that's not in response to a fear or to anxiety sometimes that's in response to a general discomfort and the sense that oh gosh if i don't do something about it now i'll just feel uncomfortable ongoing but And sometimes it's about just right, the sense that it has to feel a certain way in order to click so that you can move on with your life. Oftentimes, the obsessions that come up are not related to some of the more stereotypical variants that we see in the media. One of my favorite movies, uh, actually, is called As Good As It Gets, and it's pretty well-known. I think it won some Academy Awards, and there's uh, the lead character, Melvin, has this very stereotypical expression of OCD with uh, not walking on, on lines and washing hands and checking doors, and these are all things that we do see within the disorder. And oftentimes those are related to, I don't want to, I avoid this compulsion of sorts. I avoid stepping on cracks because I had the thought that if I step on a crack, I might, you know, lead to a world catastrophe. So that's one obsession, right? Oh, if I do X, then this will happen. We call that magical thinking and then there's the, oh my gosh, if I don't wash my hands perfectly, then I'll contaminate my home and then maybe I'll get ill or somebody that I love get will get ill, especially prevalent these days with COVID. Uh, but I maybe something to earmark too is that having a fear of contaminating people with COVID is not the same as having a fear of contaminating people within the realm of OCD, although they're not mutually exclusive uh and then door checking of course for fears around home invasion or or harm befalling yourself or loved ones but then there are all of these other different types of obsessions that really aren't talked about and so we see people coming in who are afraid that they want to hurt somebody what if i bludgeon my family to death right what if i what if i actually am not the person that i think i am so this comes up in terms of sexual orientation ocd so the fear that perhaps you are say you identify as bisexual and this is uh, i work with somebody like this right now uh, there's a fear that maybe i'm actually secretly gay or straight and i can't just identify because i'm not fully in touch with myself or what if i'm secretly a pedophile that these are all of these thoughts that come in that people experience. And we talk about these forms, the lesser known forms, as as pure O. It's total misnomer because there are still compulsions. But I think that that's, that's the arena that needs probably the most attention in terms of spreading awareness.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think the sexual orientation piece is something that um, really stuck out to me because you know my co-founder and i we spoke with someone one time who made an ocd coloring book Mm -hmm. and the ocd coloring book was amazing and it had each page was it intrusive images and words and scary things that you could color in and make beautiful and, and kind of play on and but one of the pages said pedophile Mm -hmm. And so we got some negative reactions as we were demonstrating this coloring book to people saying, well, why would you promote that? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and we were saying, well, we're not promoting, of course, we're not promoting pedophilia. And in addition to that, the word pedophile um, in association with OCD is that people have sexually intrusive thoughts that they have no control over. And right. And those can be very scary for them um terrifying
1: terrifying. yeah
0: and it has nothing to do with what they actually want to do or what they actually plan on doing right something that they have no control over and so i think that's part of ocd it's part of the intrusive thought it doesn't mean that deep down you have a, a you know that deep down you're a pedophile, or that deep down you're gonna murder someone in your family, but it means that you, your brain, is playing tricks on you, and And I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit more share your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think it's so important that people understand, especially because when mental health professionals come across people who have thoughts of pedophilia, or in the case of postpartum OCD, similarly, that they have thoughts about hurting their children, that there's this sense and understandably an uh there's a duty to protect that we have that we have to report any sort of potential child abuse that we that we see in the course of our work but the reality is that this is what we call ego dystonic it's a fancy word for not in keeping with what you actually want it's upsetting in fact i can't count the number of people with p or pedophile ocd who have sat in my office weeping about the idea that uh, what what if i am this monster right like, what if i want these things and yeah, it's deeply deeply distressing to them and there is a difference between thoughts that come in that you do want that are you know Actually, exciting to you, which you know there are people who who are pedophiles, but this is something entirely different. Now, here's a, some a tricky element, though, is oftentimes people with OCD. There's this idea of it feeling real, but it feels real, right? Like I have this thought, I have this worry, and I understand that it, it's an intrusive thought, but but what if it's not? and so what ends up happening is people get lost in these conversations with themselves regarding well, what if i really am though did i really like that what if do you know and and that's that happens i don't know if you can speak to that from your own experience as well i know that that's certainly come up for me this idea that like i'm not i don't really have ocd and that's just me trying to to talk myself out of something
0: yeah well i think that for the first 21 years of my life before i was diagnosed with ocd that i i lived in a very scary world in my head and i think maybe it was less so getting diagnosed with ocd that brought on those feelings of maybe i have ocd or maybe i don't but i didn't even understand it and um i just thought i was crazy i really Mm. thought i was crazy and i thought that i if I spoke about the intrusive thoughts that I was having, um, that, I, that people really would think that I was seriously disturbed. I mean, why am mm-hmm. I having thoughts about harming myself? Why am I having you know, fears that I'll hurt someone else? Why do I, I'm one of the stereotypical poster childs for OCD, like not stepping on cracks because I literally think that if I do, that someone in my family will die. Right. Um, and and truly deeply believing that i have the power to control the world like that yeah um and the guilt that that feels and 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 you know wondering at what point in my life what did i experience when did i see this why do i have this thought and and what's wrong with me um and I would, I would say that actually getting diagnosed with OCD was one of the biggest reliefs of my entire life because mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was. I misunderstood it, similarly to everybody else, um, and or not everybody else, but to a lot of other people, and yeah. to have the psychiatrist be like, you're not crazy, you don't and you don't have the control or the ability to hurt anybody else with your mind and your thoughts, like you just have OCD and there are ways to work through this. It was like this weight lifted off my chest and I actually saw my symptoms of OCD getting less severe as soon as I understood that I had it because I was able to cope um, through just telling myself that's an an intrusive thought, that's not a reality. Um, But there are, are parts in times in my life where my anxiety is super high strung and or my depression is super deep and it's like that realization goes out the window you can't you know the logic of that is is no longer a tool
1: right and i think that there's it's sort of a double-edged sword to your point at some moments it can help you to say like okay i'm having a thought right now and I, i don't need to do anything about this But in moments, you can feel completely convinced by it. And it's on a spectrum. One of the things that I think is important about what you were just talking about is that most people with OCD recognize that their behaviors are excessive or that they're out of touch with reality at some stage. It's not like a psychotic disorder where you think that what you're doing makes sense. So somebody with psychosis, for instance, might actually believe that they can harm people with their minds, which is different from somebody with OCD who thinks, oh gosh, it could happen. It's not likely to happen, but it feels like it's likely to happen. It feels like it's a genuine threat and I can't take that risk. And that's kind of how OCD lures people in. It's like, well, you can't take that risk, first of all. And here, just do this one little thing, right? We, again, compulsions. Just, yeah. Just avoid this crack and you'll be fine. And what ends up happening is that over time, you become increasingly reliant on these behaviors to feel okay. So the, it's almost like the solution becomes the problem yeah. for people with OCD.
0: absolutely. And so to my knowledge, the cycle of OCD typically begins with an intrusive thought, which then mm-hmm. turns into an anxiety about that thought, which then turns into an action, compulsion, or ritual an attempt to soothe the anxiety about that thought, which then leads to temporary relief in some cases. That's right. And and so my question for you is how do you decipher um, what's a healthy coping ritual or a task or something that is um, okay to be doing because it's going to soothe that thought and something that is actually making a negative impact on your ability to carry out with your day to day life?
1: It's a great question. I think, and one thing I do want to highlight as I'm answering it is what compulsions can look like because they can look like so many different things. So avoidance, for instance. If you don't particularly like heights and you don't want to go skydiving, that's not a problem, right? Because it doesn't directly interfere with your life, usually, I I can't think of an example of where it would necessarily. In terms of asking for reassurance, which is a compulsion that we see a fair amount, it's super normal to ask people in your life, if you're going through a life transition or you're coming upon something new, for reassurance of sorts. And in terms of you know, we talk about these checking compulsions or these behavioral compulsions that are overt that we can see. And people do go back to check that their straining iron isn't still plugged in, and that's not inherently a problem. And likewise, this is, and this is a tricky realm, but we talk about mental behaviors, we talk about mental compulsions, and the tendency to reflect on things isn't inherently bad. In fact, it's what makes us uniquely human, the ability to think about the future and reflect upon the past and and to have this sort of continuity of time. So where it becomes a problem is when it's excessive. So when I, I don't know, ask somebody for reassurance about whether or not I'm making a sound choice with regard to, I don't know, a job, right? Um, I guess that's a pretty normal experience to have in life so I maybe somebody asks me if I want to work for them and I have this decision to make about what job I want that when that comes up it probably makes sense for me to ask for you know somebody else's opinion if I start asking over and over again because I'm concerned that I'm going to make the wrong decision and it's gonna ruin my life right like that's starting to teeter into the edge of where it's problematic. One other thing that we can keep in mind is that OCD does tend to hook into certain themes. It's not all within those themes, but a lot of the time it is. So if if a certain theme pops in, right, that you're worried about and you wanna behave in response to that theme, you probably wanna be really careful. Because for instance, if somebody has POCD and they start to have thoughts about pedophilia, you want to you want to be very aware that any sort of action that you might want to take it has the potential for being compulsive has the potential for being problematic um so excessive not in keeping with reality or rationality you you mentioned the the stepping on the cracks or you know which is is quite common and recognizing that it's it's not really rooted in any any rational reality is an important component here of a a behavior that we don't necessarily want to be engaged in. Something that interrupts our ability to engage in in a meaningful life. So all of a sudden we're making choices to do things that prevent us from showing up for our loved ones or um, know going on trips for instance and there's a, a high amount of overlap with things like specific phobias so people who have phobias of airplanes right same thing you're gonna avoid compulsively in that realm we call them safety behavior behaviors but compulsions and safety behaviors are essentially the same thing and yeah so it, hopefully that gives you a sense of of some of the potential realms where we want to be careful of those behaviors
0: yeah absolutely And in terms of pertaining to stigma, and the stigma that associates OCD, I think there are two different areas. Mm -hmm. One stigma is more pertaining to stigmatizing behavior where people use OCD as an adjective or say, oh, I'm so OCD because my closet is color-coordinated, or my OCD is coming out because they're specific about something. And I think that using that language can be stigmatizing because it can be hurtful for those who actually live with OCD. Um, it can prevent people from with that actually live with OCD from talking about their OCD or sharing their experiences with it, or it can prevent them and be a pervasive barrier from them getting treatment and help for their OCD because they don't wanna come out and say they have it. It's like the same thing with bipolar disorder and people using it as an adjective when referring to the weather. Mm-hmm. The other area where I see a stigma surrounding OCD is the idea that people with OCD are a threat um, Mm -hmm. in the way that, okay, so we, you know, we talked about POCD or we talked about, um, you know, pedophilia, we talk about people being scared that they'll hurt someone or kill someone that they love, but The reality, the overwhelming reality to what I believe and to my knowledge and my experience with those who I know with OCD is that people with OCD are not a threat and it can be fairly common and they're they're very, very unlikely to act on those thoughts, feelings and behaviors that are intrusive and dark. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of the, the therapist in me is like, okay, we want to accept uncertainty, right? But from an outside perspective and somebody looking in and trying to understand what OCD is, yeah, you no, know, the the likelihood that people who are horrified at the idea of harming anyone would harm somebody is, is, is very, very unlikely. And I, I think it's hard because until we have a more broad and universal awareness of OCD that these topics like pedophilia they are taboo of course they are right we you know that it's normal and we want to protect children it's just understanding that in this context it's not there, there isn't a genuine threat is really important because otherwise people for long periods of time have these thoughts and think that they are crazy or think that they are people who they are not right and and you mentioned
0: earlier the difference between being excited and pleased by a thought and being scared frightened and upset by a thought and I think that's a really important point to make
1: absolutely absolutely But yeah, I I think that there, there is a lot of stigma just related to certain variants and in terms of being open with, at least with people who you love and who you trust. It's, it's really hard for, I've worked with a lot of people who are reticent to talk to family members about the fact that they have these thoughts about harming people because they're afraid they won't understand. And again, I think that all comes down to awareness of, of OCD generally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think it's interesting. Um, earlier we talked about, you talked about, uh, I think, what was it? Safety? Safety what did you say? Safety
1: safety behaviors. They're the same as compulsions, just other another phrase.
0: Safety behaviors. That's interesting. I think um, something funny that I always have a hard time explaining to people is that i'm not afraid of flights i mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. something i have a hard time explaining to people is that i'm not afraid of heights um i am afraid that i will compulsively have an urge to push to push to jump or to touch something that is going to make me fall to kick my leg out and then i'm going to slip um And so I think that it's interesting, the different ways that OCD can kind of impact. It's like, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm not being afraid of going up high, actually. I'm not even afraid of skydiving, but the fear of being in a situation in which I am not equipped to jump and having the compulsion in which I need to do something that causes me to jump, push or fall uh, is very alarming.
1: Yeah, and uh, having that potential, the potential for that urge to arise and yeah it's it is unnerving for people with certain variants of OCD
0: yeah exactly um and so what are some healthy coping tools that people with OCD can have and can utilize
1: so at the end of the day for most variants of OCD what we're trying to do is to make space for uncertainty so we look at OCD as an act like an overactive guard dog right that it's it's sounding the alarm basically when there's very little to suggest that there's any danger what we're trying to do is learn to live with the alarm bell going off without letting it interfere with our lives learning how to feel anxious without doing anything about it because we can rationally see that it doesn't make sense to do so and so in so far as things that i find to be very helpful in that realm i think mindfulness plays a big role and the ability to recognize the the existence of thoughts and feelings without taking them as definitive signs or or reacting to them in any sort of way, sort of having that non-judgmental awareness is very, very helpful. I think meditation to that end can be very supportive, especially with some of the, the mental compulsions that people do, because it's very difficult to catch yourself ruminating. We do it all the time and it's invisible. It's not like there's this clear cut. Oh, right, I'm ruminating right now. And so you mentioned, for instance, with thoughts of self-harm intrusive thoughts of self-harm which are different from thoughts of self-harm um that when those come up the the tendency can be to go well do i really feel like killing myself and how do i know and am i depressed and maybe is that feeling depression the the tendency to get lost in your mind and, and trying to figure out um the is actually really supported having that awareness is really supported through a meditation practice because meditation practice at least focused attention meditation uh, is all predicated on finding an object focusing on the object noticing when your mind wanders and then going like oh congratulations well done for catching that and then just inviting it back to the present moment and then of course erp is really important although I i don't think that those are mutually exclusive mindfulness and erp have a lot of overlap but learning how to run toward fear and say okay i'm gonna feel these feelings on purpose there's something really empowering about that for people and helps for individuals to not have their lives sort of sidelined by by obsessive thoughts and feelings and, and worry feelings anxiety
0: yeah that that makes a lot of sense something that has been interesting for me is uh one of my coping tools is to knock on my stomach um and i and i do a small knocking pattern on my stomach it's a 34 part knock that's broken into like four sequences of eight and um (laughs) 32 and um i it's it's interesting that the the reason i do it um, Mm Is because I used to find myself, um, I used to find myself experiencing and acting in compulsive ways that were taking up too much time in my day, or that were impacting my ability to get places on time. Mm-hmm. I remember being in college and I lived on the fourth floor of a walk-up, and I would get to the bottom, and be like, I have to go up because I know that my covers or my sheets aren't pulled as tightly as they can be, or I think Mm. that I didn't shut my bathroom door. And if my bathroom door is open, then something terrible is gonna happen. Mm. And so it was just taking up too much time to be able to go back and fix these things and to obsess over them. And so I started doing this like knocking pattern, almost like knocking on wood, but I do it on my stomach and I do it a certain amount of times in a certain sequence. And I do it for every compulsive thought that I have. Every time I have an intrusive thought, I tell myself that if I knock, I'm going to undo that thought it's not going to happen whatever fear is going to inflict upon me or whatever fear i had will be solved or resolved within that knocking and i can do it really subtly i can do it under the table i can do it really quickly Um, and it doesn't really impact my day-to-day life opposed to the other things that i was doing the other compulsions i was having um so for me i think that that has been really helpful and it's not like i would tell people because in a way it's still excessive it's still frequent it's still something i'm thinking about but it's a good substitute for what i was doing
1: um and i think that it's stepwise you know one of the things that we talk about in terms of treatment is delaying rituals or minimizing rituals i think from from my perspective clinically ultimately the goal is to do away even with anything that says this thing is not going to happen because ultimately we don't know we don't know what happens in life and and having these thoughts pop in doesn't give us any really useful information to that end they're words that happen across our minds and responding to those thoughts as though they are important in the absence of any rational evidence that they are sets a precedent that can be really damning for a lot of people and so the ability to say you know what i don't know i'm going to purposefully make the choice to tolerate not knowing i'm going to say yeah maybe that thing does happen and if so i'll deal with it then i think that's where ultimate freedom lives
0: wow that is some really powerful perspective that I don't think anybody has ever given given me before mm. um, in terms of how to cope with my OCD. It's interesting because I've been in therapy for a long time and um, I've never had anybody really help me with my OCD. I think it's been something more so that like, I talk about the anxiety I'm having or things mm. going on in my life and the ways that it impacts me. Um, but I haven't really learned coping tools and mechanisms. And with that being said, I also talk about anxiety and depression, and those types of things in therapies. So um, I haven't, you know, specifically focused on OCD as much as I'd like to, but I think that that's a really, really helpful, helpful tip. Um, Before we finish today, and I could talk to you about this forever, Oh, me too, Uh, (laughs) I'm having so much fun. (laughs) I know, me too. Um, And it's it's been so nice, and, and it's always such a calming feeling to talk to someone who gets it and who relates. What would your advice be to someone who believes that they might have OCD or who has been recently diagnosed with OCD who is feeling insecure, scared, or worried about that diagnosis, and as a result is avoiding seeking out help treatment or finding coping mechanisms because of it?
1: That's a really important question. And I I think it's, there are probably a a fair amount of different answers to it. Ultimately, I think if the means are available to you, seeking out treatment can be so helpful. I know it was for me and I hope it is for the people that I work with also making taking advantage of the community that exists there is a massive community that exists online uh, in social media for sure right like and the world of instagram there are a lot of us therapists and advocates who talk about personal experience and about uh, ways to support uh, well-being there's also uh, the international ocd foundation which has great resources, articles, and they have a conference. They actually have, I think they're planning to do two, do two different conferences this year, an online and an in-person. So there's, there's a tremendous amount of information available these days. So make use of that and know you're not alone because if you're having that thought, the chances are somebody else has had that thought. I think one of the most shameful pieces of ocd in in that realm of stigma is this idea that you're in this thing and it's just you and you're the crazy one and all of a sudden if you look around and you see that you know a lot of people have these fears and in fact there's so much so that there are articles written about it well maybe just maybe you don't have to feel quite so alone and quite quite so badly about yourself or the experience that you're having um, so yeah, I think that those are those are probably primary.
0: Yeah, that is some really great insight and again, really powerful mm-hmm. and something I can really relate to as well. Um, just not feeling alone in this and not feeling alone in my diagnosis and saying that it's something that I live with and not suffer from has been really beneficial to me. And uh, And I'm just so thankful of your time today. And I Thank hope you. and I believe that this will hopefully help a lot of people and help educate those who don't live with it so mm-hmm. thank you so much and again for our listeners um we you know lauren has an instagram account called obsessive mind that's correct
1: uh the obsessive mind yeah The, the
0: Obsessive yeah. mind and i yep. highly recommend you follow it because that's how i mm-hmm. found her and it's been really helpful for me so thank you so much again thank to you
1: yeah, no, it's my pleasure. And yeah, if anyone's interested in learning more, there's, a, I have a website, The Obsessive Mind, that has uh, links to some of the articles that I've written. I work for OCDLA, which also has a fair amount of resources on the website and articles. And uh, Kelly Frankie and I, uh, who's another therapist, do a pretty regular uh, Instagram live on Uh, OCD, on different manifestations of OCD. So if you're looking for resources, there are so many of them out there. So, so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks so much.